Welcome back to Empathy Always Wins. My name is Ali Salama, and it is my honor today as the Middle East Mental Health Ambassador and as the Canadian Marketing Association Next Initiative's youth leader to be finally bringing a set of youth leaders on this show to talk about something I am highly passionate about from a leadership standpoint. Today, we have Quinn Underwood and Samin Khan talking to us about what it means to be social change makers while serving their own startup, which focuses around really the intersectionality between mental health and AI. Quinn Underwood currently serves as the CEO of Animo, a platform built to help individuals and organizations measure and predict their psychological well-being through the use of AI. Quinn is a repeat entrepreneur, global health researcher, and an author. Samin Khan, on the other hand, is the CTO of Animo. He was the 2018 world champion of Microsoft Imagine Cup, a technology and innovation competition with over 40,000 competing teams worldwide. Today, again as the CTO of Animo, Samin also conducts research for the Vector Institute on the intersections of mental health and artificial intelligence. Now, before we dive into our episode today, I would also love to publicly make the announcement that the Canadian Marketing Association's next initiative did in fact put me as a youth leader to lead a platform that aims to empower youth and a platform that I call the Netflix of personal development. So how does it work? Well, we brought together a range of top marketing and business professionals from Canada to produce professional development resources for us, young professionals and youth entering the workforce. So if you'd like to make your next big career move, guess what? It would be a great idea to sign up to CMA Next. The link is in the show notes below, and let's head into today's episode. This episode is sponsored by Empower Mag, the Middle East's mental health and wellness magazine. Check out Empower Mag for all the latest and newest articles. Now let's dive deep into our latest episode of Empathy Always Wins. Welcome back to Empathy Always Wins, guys. Today, I am extremely excited to have two uh, of my good friends, Quinn and Samin. Uh, In my point of view, they do very, very, very important work within the mental health space. Uh, They they both are working on a uh, very exciting venture called uh, Animo. But without getting too far ahead of myself, I would love to introduce Samin and Quinn, uh, starting with Samin. Please tell us a little bit more about uh, Animo Ventures and uh, and give us a little bit of an insight as to where you guys are at and, and how is it all unfolding now with COVID and, and how relevant uh, are people sort of like getting the message around mental health and just, just as we were talking a little bit more about it uh, off the record before we hop in the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first, I just want to say thank you for having us on, Ali. I know we had a few uh, conversations about... Uh, our own experiences, uh, more, more, more on a vulnerable lens. And then I, I really like the whole purpose behind this being very empathy driven. Um, I'm a strong believer in empathy driving innovation. And I, I think a lot of our, our, uh, starting Animo as, as a, as a startup came from a place of empathy for us. So the, the whole concept behind Animo was sort of on the basis of some, uh, research showing you'd be able to essentially measure and predict, uh, uh mental health 
um, weeks to months before any sort of clinical analysis by analyzing how people speak um, in terms of their language use. Um, there's been studies shown replicating this on sort of Twitter and uh, other forms of social media as well as emails. Um, a lot of this tech data is really valuable for actually helping people better better understand their mental health. So um, uh, a, a little bit behind, I, I think, a story behind mental health, the animo I, I, I wanted to share is a lot of it came from this place of, of um, understanding what was kind of going on at, at home, you know, with, within the context of um, the mental health of my family. My, my, my younger sister, she, she was uh, diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And, and after having a few episodes, you know, our family had no idea what, what was going on. It was a whole other landscape for us. You can imagine coming from a South Asian sort of household, Parents had no idea what, what mental health was, um, but uh, uh, we sort of, it came to a point where she'd overdosed on some of her medication and we had to take her to the hospital to realize that uh, 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 mental health is a, is, a, is a real thing that we need to take seriously. Um, and so since then, I mean, that, that time it sort of left, uh, traumatized me in a way uh, of, of how were we nearly too late to, to help my little sister out. Like, that's the thing. You can, you, and there's so many cases where people are, are, have been too late. And, and I think our family is one of the ones that were lucky. We were lucky. And that's how I really see it. We're lucky. So, so what effect that had kind of had on me was thinking, okay, how can we be preventative about this stuff? And, and sort of while, while I was thinking about this, you know, me and Quinn started doing a bit of a deeper dive into to some, some research from our independent fields. Um, and so for me, I'll, I'll let Quinn talk about his disciplines, but I come from a computer science and cognitive science background um, and sort of understanding how the mind and computation can play different roles with each other. Starting, starting to see some of this research and realizing there's a glimpse of being able to actually provide people with the service that allows them to be preventative about their, about their mental health. So that cases like my sister are, 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 aren't just lucky, but uh, are planned that, that this kind of thing doesn't happen. So um, empathy was a, a huge, huge driver for, for what came about, what's, what's been happening with Animo. Um, so so that's, that's some of the story, yeah. Yeah, thank you, man. I think that um, it takes a lot to talk about that in that way, especially, uh, you know, sometimes I just want to reiterate the fact that it wasn't you, it was someone close to you and it doesn't always have to be us. For me, it was, you know, it was myself, but I think that, um, I think that, being empathetic is, is being able to see someone else's view of the world without necessarily being in their world, but, but, but being highly, highly, highly considerate of that. And um, yeah, I, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, Quinn's perspective before we dive in a little bit more about the insights and, 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 and uh, really, really, really take on the, the challenge around what, what we're collectively trying to really solve around this problem uh, around navigation especially with mental health but Quinn feel free to take the floor yeah absolutely and yeah thank you again for having us I mean I think now more than ever this is such a relevant and pressing conversation um so yeah I mean so Samin and I had met in first year of university together we were really close throughout kind of our university and always kind of talking about what the other person was doing or working on um, and at the time I had been working on a health tech company in South Asia. So we were doing a lot of like diagnostics in rural communities, really trying to get primary health care of you know, high quality to really hard to reach populations. And I was really interested in the healthcare space. Um, but one of the things that kept frustrating me in our efforts there, and, you know, we were working across the country in partnership with the government. 
um, of Bangladesh. And what we realized was that so many of the issues coming through the door in our clinics were entirely preventable. Um, and our healthcare system is really designed around reacting and not preventing. Um, and that to me was really troubling because it meant that we were letting people get sick before helping them when it very much could be the other way around. Um, and I think that there is, there, there are a few things, um, more important as an early indicator of your health than mental health, because, you know, looking at the long-term costs of something like chronic stress or anxiety or depression to our, you know, to your, the health of your heart, to the health of your cardiovascular system, to so many downstream effects. Like, you know, when you're in a position of poor mental health, it only compounds and downstream effects if you're not able to get the support you need. And so for me, it was this space that, you know, I had personal relevance to with family members who had really struggled with um, mental health, particularly in the space of the eating disorders. And so it was this kind of area of, you know, really personal interest. And then, you know, in being close with Samin and seeing his renewed interest in this while I was kind of simultaneously trying to figure out how do we act more preventatively, um, we started talking about just like, how could we use the skills and areas of expertise that we have to make a difference, right? Like what can we do to actually change the way things are now? Um, and I had been coming from a position of, you know, running a startup for a little while and I had a bit of experience in that space and Samin was beginning to work in that area as well. He's having those technical skills. And so we decided that, you know, there was a huge opportunity here to actually do something about the issues that we felt in our own personal lives and saw around us every day. Um, and so it was really, it was really that decision to actually try and, you know, be the change we wanted to see in the world. Right. And, mm -hmm. and with a, I think in an issue that is of ever increasing importance, which I think we see now more clearly than ever with the current, uh, COVID-19 pandemic, um, in which the mental health of an entire population, if not the world has been dramatically altered in a very short amount of time. Um, the need for action around this, I just, yeah, I can't imagine being more timely. Yeah, I just wanted to, to, to jump in. Um, I think for, for, for me and Quinn, I think it was, it's also like this, this sense of responsibility you have of, of um, seeing certain things that you think deserve change and then feeling the sense of, uh, of ownership that they, that they, like, you know, for instance, with, with, with Quinn's experience doing some of the, the diagnostic health work and then seeing that certain cases were just not being uh, cared for. And then on, on my end, seeing cases with my sister and then it's sort of feeling like this frustration around like why why aren't we doing more around this you know yeah. um and i mean in talks with with you as well ali i mean like hearing your story was also inspiring for me um around Thank starting you. this conversation a lot more I, I i think it's like that similar feeling of like it's it's a sense of responsibility and and, and um to do something because because a lot of people aren't and i think that's especially strong now with the with the covid uh, the context of this pandemic right now i mean it's it's uh, definitely affecting everybody in a in a significant way, um, but but I would also see it as an important time to reflect on what are the things that you really want to change. Like now you have an opportunity, and there's a strong need for for addressing um, important things in in your life and in the lives of people in your community, um, especially around mental health. Yeah, and, and you know what? I think the biggest conversation is uh, that people often neglect is that we're men, you know, and we're actually men. Um, tackling this situation, I think that, I mean, type in any 
I mean, this is out of context, guys, but type in any mental health hashtag into Instagram and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll know the exact um, graphics that are being created. They're very targeted towards a specific demographic and that isn't a demographic that targets men. And the fact is, the fact is, is, is it's very clear. 80% of leadership positions are, 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 are held by men. And until men start to think about empathetic leadership and start to at least have a little bit of a of an approach or an openness towards this conversation we will start to see um animal is going to start to see more more adaptation from companies that will start to see the value of that product you know it's very very hard to either have a mental health magazine or have a a a a, a, a SaaS company or have a product that is related to mental health around uh, around decision makers that is essentially have executive decisions to make uh, around a cause or around a purpose that uh, you know they they don't see value in and and, and that's 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 essentially why I created the show um, Empathy Always Wins I didn't call it Mental Health Always Wins I, I I called it Empathy for a specific reason it's because of of the empathetic approach towards leadership being a winning component and you know we are men and we love to win and uh, and and surely I'm I'm an alpha man and I swam in the world. Uh, championships in 2014 by no means am i different and I, by no means is being an alpha or being a very competitive person a a a, a disadvantage or, or, or a negative have a negative connotation i think what we need to focus on and what i love about you guys is you guys are just as fierce and you guys are just as relentlessly uh, pursuing this mission uh, but you guys still care and uh, and and that's the message that i want to put out there with with everything that you're doing and i just want to touch on something because i love the fact that as soon as i land on animal.venture which is your website uh, there's a red there's a red statement you can't measure you can't manage what you can't measure um, I, I'd love to touch upon that a little bit with you Samin and Quinn uh, uh, mental health is something that uh, that that, that uh, mental health is health first of all but mental health is is something we all have but how are you guys tackling measurements behind such an intangible um, such an intangible thing that is naked to the eye that still till this day many people <laughs> don't still deem to be important what how how can you walk me through your platform how are you bringing some sort of results to someone like uh any stakeholder let's put it that way um how, how can you walk me through the through the entire platform yeah but before before that i wanted to just uh comment on 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 one of the things you said i was sort of laughing in the back of my head when 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 you were um, mentioning the the how this is it's it's still the conversation around men and mental health is still in this sort of shifty place. Um, it's interesting to me because um, with a lot of the the work that we've been doing with with management and executives, um, it's it's at first it was almost just like this hunch we had after doing like dozens of meetings with a bunch of executives and um, and managers we we were realizing that the ones that were choosing to move forward with pilots and um, continuing the conversations at first, I, we were just like, I think I just went to Quinn. I was like, Hey, do you, do you think that women are, are more, more interested in what we're doing? Cause it was just, it ended up being like the female leaders <laughs> that were continuing to push forward. I told with you, so I told you, at first it was just like a small hunch. Right. Um, and then, and then what happened was uh, Quinn had a, a meeting with, um, with, with a very large uh, executive coach. Um, and, and she, she was basically, she, she's the one that actually mentioned are, are women, the ones that are actually, you know, paying attention to this more. And then that's when it clicked for me. It's like, she, she already knows we didn't have to even have to say it. There's, there's already this, uh, uh, 
sort of uh, idea that women like this more. But but what's interesting now, given the whole crisis that's happening, the conversation is shifting so much because now it's like the men don't are, are don't need to be convinced as much because they're seeing that the effects of social isolation and then also anxieties around what's happening with the situation, they're seeing that there is actually this very clear link that needs to be made. And if you do want to win with your company, if you do want to succeed, there's no point running away from your emotions. Like that, that's going to put you in a losing position to, to sort of recognize the importance of like being more aware of your, your psychological well-being. And so we're seeing more, more conversations around, around mental health with, with male executives moving forward um, because it's like now, now they're, they're, they're coming face to face with it. Their workers are all working from home. They're all like confused and uncertain. And the executives are now unsure of how their workforce is feeling. That's like the biggest thing. They're unsure of how the workforce is feeling. And now they're realizing like it's actually important to sort of give more attention towards the mental health of, of, of their companies. Yeah. And, and from the beginning, I think that was one, some, one thing that we were really cognizant of was how, I mean, not just men, but I mean, across the entire population, right? There are still a lot of people who haven't really come to accept either the gravity of mental health or the importance and just the broad applicability of it as a, as a kind of necessary component of everyone's health. Um, and I think, you know, one of the early decisions or the things that we realized we had to do was build a platform that wasn't just convincing to the people who were already on board and understood the importance of mental health, but build a platform that spoke to the people who were naysayers or were skeptical of mental health and have a platform that was so convincing in the kind of importance of acting on mental health that it drove action by both of those kind of parties. And so the way that we really did that was by taking a really data-driven approach, right? By having you know, irrefutable proof available to the skeptic and the believer alike, showing the pure cost of inaction when it comes to supporting your workforce or just people around you um, in maintaining uh, mental their mental health. Um, and so the way the platform is designed is to really, um, I mean, essentially we, we have individual platform in which, uh, you know, the, the common term is the Fitbit for your mind in software form. And the hope is that individuals are able to make, able to actually measure their mental health in the same way they would their physical health. Of course, we all know that there's not really that dichotomy there, right? Like physical and mental health, it's all, it's all health. Um, and so by making that measurable for the individual, you're able to help them kind of track how they're trending over time and bring greater awareness of their own health. Because I think particularly when everyone's super busy, there's, you know, it's, mental health comes second, right? It's not kind of the first thing you think of. And by making it visible, by measuring it for someone, you can make it the kind of first um, top of order concern or consideration. And then for organizations, we give individuals the ability to opt in to having that data aggregated so that they can, you know, basically have their information alongside all others in their organization and see and have transparency into how other people are feeling. Because so often we feel isolated in our stress, our imposter syndrome, whatever it is. But by giving people the opportunity to opt in, they can see how everyone else in the organization is doing in aggregate. So you can protect the individual privacy. They never have to see any individual information. 
but they can see how the organization overall is feeling or how their team or department overall is feeling. And that's super important um, because it gives them that sense of kind of we're all in this together. But then it also gives the organization really important information about, okay, look, you know, this department is really stressed. It's going to cost us hugely if we don't do something about that. And so we can actually help them then take action uh, and make those insights actionable. And that's, yeah, I think from the very beginning, though, we really had to consider how do we make this a convincing platform, not just for the believers, but also the people who were skeptical. Yeah, I think that's very important that you mentioned that. And uh, one thing, I mean, um, as soon as I go on on the platform as well, you have uh, uh, really, really diverse, uh, a bunch of diverse of uh, diversity is, is 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 all I can see on the faces of the people that are on the platform. Uh, he had an anxiety attack in the washroom this morning. She she's two weeks from burning out. She just got promoted. Um, she used she used up all her six days to manage. She used up her six days managing her stress. She's a top, she's your top performer, and she suffers from social anxiety. She's the funniest person in the office. I think all those are very, 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 very contrasting statements. And uh, and I mean, I laugh. I mean, we laugh right now, but in retrospect, these are very serious, and these are very, very, very predominantly um, real stories. And uh, it's almost it's almost um, it's almost too serious that we kind of need to ask um how can we how can we spot that before 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 these uh before this burnout happens before before this uh breakdown happens and my next question would be um so i know animal is focused on uh, per se enterprises and i think this is from a business model standpoint of course if i were in you in your position I, I'd, i'd do nothing different i think you guys are going in a great 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 direction but how do you think this can be revolutionary in a uh, in a standpoint of an individual so for example um i would love to sort of wear this fitbit on my on my watch right now and i'm an individual i'm not a, i'm not a uh, not a startup per se um do you see uh, it being something uh something like that in the future and and when could that be and uh and and how can youth leverage such an invention uh earlier on in their lives to help empower them becoming uh much more woke if i may say in in in, in leading and 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 harnessing their power uh in becoming uh change makers or leaders of the 21st century Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the, I think particularly with the current crisis, I mean, we, we had a conversation when we were basically sitting down and saying, okay, like what, you know, we think what we're building right now, you know, has massive potential, but what can we do to make sure we are really, you know, what we're building is valuable, particularly in this context. And so we've been, I mean, we've been sitting down and we're actually actively working on and essentially like all the technology that we're building but specifically for the individual um so we've been you know we have like a mock-up of what we want that to look like and we're hoping to put that out in the next couple weeks actually mm-hmm. um which is essentially the ability for you to passively measure your own mental health um and in the current context and this actually came in part from inspiration from my close friend who was diagnosed with bipolar um, disorder and what he was telling me was that he doesn't have the same support network he used to now because he can't physically access them right everyone is you know in isolation it's really hard to get that help from your friends when you need it um and so we're building a tool that helps friends be there for you know those around them that are really struggling for mental health through using the technology that we've been building all along for the kind of enterprise platform 
Um, and you know, that's something that we're going to be putting into beta testing in literally the next couple of weeks to get out there and into people's hands. And the hope is that that's as applicable to youth as it is anyone else. Um, and something that we really just want to have people using and giving us feedback around. So I think, yeah, now more than ever, we realize the just critical nature of getting something like this into as many people's hands as possible. And I think just to, just to add on to that with, um, around the vision that we sort of have. I mean, so, so one interesting sort of uh, uh, what's relevant, become relevant in just the past, you know, 10, 15 years, it's so many people are spending their time and attention on, on um, you know, all of these different social media platforms, right? Um, and it's no surprise that, you know, all these, these the Facebooks, Instagrams, there's so much data that they're amassing about everybody. Um, and, and, uh, of course, a lot of it is being used for advertising, of course, what, what we're, we're sort of thinking is, is so much of that data has been really valuable for understanding, um, you know, all of these social trends, as well as understanding an individual's sort of, uh, uh, uh psyche, um, and in some cases better than people understand themselves. Like that's, that's the advertiser's dream, finding, knowing the individual better than themselves so that you could convince them to buy your product. Now. Why, why is it that we're all so willing to give all of our data to these companies and not, not take our cut in return, right? Like for, it's so amazing that we can all just hop on Facebook and connect with everybody, but we didn't, hardly anybody realizes the transaction that's happening behind the screen. Yeah. And my, my question is why, why aren't we getting a cut of that? And so a lot of that sort of goes into Animo as well, right? Like it's, we, we want to bring that value of that data that the, uh, around how it can help you be more self-aware, how it can help you better understand your, your own psychological well-being and how you can be preventative around crises, right? So, so part of what we envision is, is like when we're saying this sort of Fitbit for your mind, but in software form. Um, and, and, and the idea is, is to sort of bring more awareness around your, your, your well-being. Like with things like Instagram, we have, you know, people are giving that attention, you know, somewhat to, 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 to themselves, but it's all based on this sort of individual profile um, and, and it's all like these, these pictures of, of yourself, right? And, that, and that, that's, that's fine and all. Um, but uh, on the other hand, w what platforms are we using to not, not just out highlight our, our, you know, do a highlight reel of our lives, but also what are we doing to like really deeply understand ourselves? Mm. Um, that's that's the, high, the, the, the profile that isn't for everybody else, but it's actually for you to better understand who you are as a person and better understand how to manage your well-being. Yeah, that's that's, me, that's so some of the things that we're sort of planning. Trust me, man. I'd be the first. Man, I'd be the first to adopt it if if this was uh, uh, if this was something that can be adopted on a personal level. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think yeah, count me in for sure. But we'll talk about that off the record. But like for sure, I, that's something that um, I mean. I openly struggle with mental health challenges. I think there's very there's a lot of difference between a mental health um, condition, like a disease, and a challenge. We all have mental health challenges, uh, but a mental health disease is a permanent state. And I was in that, of course, I was diagnosed. And if this is how, of course, my my perception on mental health changed because of when you come out of a disease, you're never the same anymore. You you, it's like. Um, your whole world changes. You see suffering in a very different perspective, you know, coming from, uh, you know, being on the A soccer squad in high school, being the captain of the water polo and, and the swimming record holder of the school, do, you know, being that guy in the locker room and then suddenly being the guy that uh, is diagnosed and has to talk about his feelings in front of a, a therapist that I didn't really ever care about. 
uh, it it humbles you, at least to say, but it, it almost makes you really recognize the importance of what drives peak performance, right? We are all striving for peak performance, whether it's you and I, whether it's the executive sat uh, on, a, on, 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 on the board or whether it's the chairman that needs to hit those goals to do X, Y, Z, the thing that we are all after is peak performance. And, and that's why the show is called Empathy Always Wins. It's a, it's, it's, it starts actually within oneself. And uh, that's what I wanted to shed light on is uh, how can, okay, well, that's really cool. Uh, we can understand our regulations. We can, I can understand right now I'm a little bit stressed because of COVID, but what is there that I can actually see right now that I could uh, give myself a high five because yeah, uh, this, according to this graph, I'm five points less than today. I either, because I'm taking care of my health, my diet, my whatever, or whatever that may be, I can actually see a tangible thing, a metric that I can then call a friend up or like share it or do whatever, because just like we do with workouts, just as we do with a lot of other things, we are human beings and we love to share shit. Um, so I, again, I, I, my, my, where I want to take this in, 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 in sort of, in sort of closing with, 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 uh, with our episode today, where do you see youth leadership guys? How, how, how is empathetic leadership driving animal? And, and let's talk about our, our friends. Cause we do have a lot of common friends. You know, we are in a, a very, very, very um, special place in the world. Toronto, I believe is one of the most unique places in the world to be with, with the government support, with such a diverse entrepreneurial young ecosystem without naming people, but we know exactly who's doing what we're very, very, very tight. Uh, how, how, how do you guys see this uh, going forward and how important do you see us all uh, playing a role in really pushing this agenda forward in whichever way that may be with you guys? How important is empathetic leadership in driving innovation and in driving our digital revolution forward and making sure that we have some sort of leverage and space for us for our, the, ne the next generation post-COVID world? Mm. You know, I, so I think one of the, the most remarkable changes just between the last generation and ours is the focus on, you know, this notion of like social entrepreneurship. And I think like, I mean, the other term of, for it is empathy driven leadership, right? It's the ability to look at the world and say, what are the real problems? And more often than not, there are these kind of fundamental social issues that need I mean, real change and leadership to change. And I think what you see more and more is, you know, people of our generation are looking at those issues and saying, look, I don't want to just run a company. I want to run a company that solves that issue or solves these issues, these issues of health, these issues of inequality, these issues of mental health, right? And I think, I mean, more than ever before, there is such a strong I mean, coming from the startup world, there is such a strong business case, right? Like if you look at the businesses that are shut down in this current pandemic situation, it, they're non-essential services. Mm -hmm. And so many of the essential services are really at their core social enterprises. They're looking at helping society in some foundational way, whether it's physical health or mental health, you know, their frontline workers, their organizations provide teletherapy, right? Like those are the organizations that when it comes down to it, are essential services. Mm. And so I think more than ever, there's this growing tide of young people who don't want to give up one thing in order to have the other. They don't want to give up their social, you know, their ambitions to help people in order to run a startup. And the best thing is you don't actually have to do that. And we're realizing that more and more. 
And I think now, particularly in a post-COVID kind of society, we're going to see that because we've been through essentially what is a collective trauma, right? And I think there is a deepened empathy for our fellow human beings that comes out of something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the most brilliant thing is that, you know, our generation is already leading the charge, right? Like, you know, you hosting projects like this, right? Like this wouldn't have been <laughs> happening 18 months ago. This wouldn't have been yeah. happening two years ago, right? Like, there, I mean, and frankly, like we wouldn't have been doing this two years ago, right? Like the, just the, the pace of change is incredible and it's largely driven by, by our generation, which I think is just, yeah, absolutely incredible. I think, I think that's a really good point. Just even thinking about the, the, the ex- existence of this, this, this podcast right now, uh, in, 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 like Quinn was saying, thinking, you know, uh, just a year ago or more, um, this kind of conversation would have felt uh, sort of absurd to even have, but now we're sort of seeing more of a, a, of a shift towards this conversation. And I think this, this, the context of COVID isn't, and around how, you know, people are like, really thinking about being socially isolated and, and, and realizing that, that, that does affect their mental health. Like that's not, it's not a surprise to me that the mental health being very important. Simeon, can you repeat that again? Can you repeat that again? We lost you. It's not a surprise to you that what? I think my, my headphones died. Um, it's, it's not a surprise to me now that more companies as well as just individuals are realizing how important their mental health is for just being a productive member of society. Like these aren't separate things. Like your mental health isn't just like this soft part of yourself that, you know, you, you don't want to have to worry about, um, you know, you're just going to put that off. Let's focus on work. Let's work hard. Let's, let's, let's get the bag, you know, let's, let's chase success. Um, and I think it's, it's not surprising to me now that more people are realizing that uh, by actually, uh, you know, reflecting on your mental health, that actually helps you get that bag. It helps you chase success. It helps you be a more productive person. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's important to mention on the topic of like youth leadership. Um, one, I just wanted to, uh, plug, uh, plug Quinn cause I see he wasn't plugging himself, but he's writing a, a book. Uh, Quinn, what was the name again? Hey, youth entrepreneurship. <laughs> youth entrepreneurship. So he's literally writing a book alongside Swish, uh, on, yeah. on youth entrepreneurship. So I think that'd be really good for, for, um, people that are interested in that to, to take a read when, when is it, when, when is it coming out? Uh, maybe I'll, do you have a pre-link? I'll, I'll hit in the link, but in the link of, uh, in the show, show notes below. Uh, we're, we're waiting to hear back from the publisher. Now we just submitted the final draft, which was super exciting. So wow. I will know the final dates very soon. I want to read that. <laughs> can, yeah. I get, can I get a draft like before the final? Uh, yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> Call me for you. For sure. <laughs> Thank you, man. Uh, hey, I, 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 here's, here's one thing that I do with a lot of guests on the show and I'm a little bit of a, uh, of a sneaky cheeky monkey here. I just like, guys, uh, can you please send me a copy of the, sh- uh, of, of the book? Um, also, can I, can you sign it as well? If you don't mind, I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really, really, really into that. Um, but yeah, no <laughs> jokes aside, guys, it's, uh, it's honestly a pleasure to to have uh, young folks like like you and and and, and Swish on Swish was on episode five. Um, it's 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 so important for us to to talk, and it's not just important for us to. I mean, we're walking the walk, but it's it's important for us to sometimes take a step aside and realize that um, the world is watching us as youth. Um, we are in Canada. It, I've lived in the UK. I've lived in. Dubai, I've lived in Cairo. I've lived in a couple of places to, to see how special this place is in Canada. And I think that we have so much, so, so many resources that we 
ought to give that to the world. We ought to innovate and and become pioneers as youth leaders. Just as I mean, mm. just before the the show started, I was showing you uh, the pandemic uh, online mental health conference, and and, and my friend, uh, the prime minister, uh, youth uh, youth youth council cabinet member, and 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 this never happens in any other country. Uh, mm. We have so much power as a collective, um, as a collective youth. Uh, um, I don't even know what to call us. So whether it's a, a membership organization, whatever you want to call it, just a collective youth group. And I think that uh, personally, my mandate and with empathy always wins is to is is to get people of both sides of the spectrum, really sort of. Uh, renowned leadership experts, whether they're actually leading world-class companies or whether they're New York Times best-selling authors in leadership, or whether it's getting someone like Hugh Quinn and Samin just as equally important, writing and starting that narrative, and maybe even starting a book too. So <laughs> you see, you see what I mean. It's it's so important to get the, both both of our perspectives because. Um, 15-year-olds are going to be making million-dollar companies and are going to be seen as equally powerful in the next three years um, because of this digital revolution. We are seeing unprecedented change at an unprecedented rate, at an unprecedented level of innovation. And this is highly anticipated. And in closing, uh, I'll just like to open the floor to, to you, Quinn and Samin, if you'd like to add any, 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 any final notes. Um, I personally am a huge fan of, of Animal and... Uh, I've met Samin uh, with the team. Uh, we've spoken about we've spoken about what you guys were doing, and I think that was a couple of months ago. But uh, I'd love to hear any any last thoughts you'd like you'd like to shout out. Or... Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think yeah, I think Samin put it really well. Like, I think you know, and and to your point, like we are in such an incredible society in Canada where we have the op- so much opportunity that so many others aren't afforded right and i think with that comes just like this incredible responsibility to make the most of that and to make the most of you know the education we receive to you know our newfound you know ability to leverage the internet to have this impact on a global scale right like that all comes with a responsibility and i think what you're really seeing is is you taking that and making the most of it. And I think, yeah, what you're doing and highlighting people who are doing that and you're doing that yourself, like that's that's huge. And I think that's how we're going to keep that happening. And particularly from Canada, you know, it's the number one country in the world for social entrepreneurship. And that's huge. We're lucky as hell. Man. Yeah, I just wanted to, to say, I mean, any, any sort of, uh, you know, being able to just do this work with Animo, um, being in an ecosystem where there's uh, uh, funding, support, and, and all of these, this network for like really getting, you know, youth involved with, uh, you know, doing things in society. Um, any of that, I, I would say I would contribute any any success or anything that I've had to that border patrol officer that decided to let my parents in uh, 20 years ago. Um, I remember my parents were telling me the story where they were um, holding my, they, they were coming to Canada. Uh, they had less than a thousand dollars. And uh, the border patrol officer was telling them, like, are you crazy? Like, you're, you're going to come to this country with less than $1,000. And he was about to turn them away. But then he saw my mom holding my, my, my older sister in her arms. And he decided, uh, based on that, 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 that uh, uh, you, you know what? They came all the way here. They're, 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 and my dad was just like, listen, we're going we're gonna to figure it out. And, and that, that, that chance that that border patrol officer took changed my life forever. Like, I, 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 
would not be able to have any any of the, the privileges that I'm able to live through day by day that I probably take for granted most of the time if it weren't for the empathy that, that he had for, for my, my sister. And I think it sort of speaks to the culture here within Toronto and, and Canada um, coming from like so many immigrants and so much cultural diversity. It's, uh, it, it's a real blessing and an opportunity to be, to be uh, raised in this kind of society where there's so many opportunities um, available. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm a big, big fan of Toronto. I'm born and raised here. So I, I, I think there's a, a lot of potential with this city and, and, and this country um, in every way. Yeah. Go Raps. Yeah, you touched, you touched <laughs> a nerve right there. I think that uh, you see two different countries, one continent, they act completely differently. Um, mm. You know, uh, without going into detail, uh, we love our neighbors, but uh, you know, we have to, we have to work together. Let's put it that way. And uh, I'd like to end yeah. that, 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 the show on that note. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you so much for showing up. Take care. Thank you, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, Ali. Much love. Thank you, Samin Khan and Quinn Underwood. I nearly slipped on your name there, Quinn. <laughs> My bad. But so much love for youth trying to really push boundaries with technology, incorporating one of the biggest challenges we're facing in today's day and age, the challenge around great mental health and well-being. I hope you guys like this episode and feel free to let us know your thoughts and opinion on at empathy always wins on Instagram or feel free to drop me a direct message on my own personal Instagram at Ali Salama. Make sure to also sign up to my weekly Changemakers Leadership Guide for all the latest development with youth changemakers and youth leaders. And last but not least, please make sure to tune in every Saturday at noon EST for a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. That's every Saturday for a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. It's my pleasure hosting you guys, and I'll see you next week.